It was her daemon that alerted us to Cassandra's return to this dimension and original timeline. Wherever they had been, it seemed to have amplified his protectiveness of her. It isn't often we've observed her daemon defend Cassandra with such force, so it caught us off guard when he began snarling and gnashing his teeth at the entity that appeared in the wall of her rented room. What the entity needed to convey to her was vitally important, and our biggest concern was the guardian spirit would chase it away before she received it. Is it live, or is it Memorex? Is it organic, or man-made? Is free will our own, or someone else's? The questions were hitting me rapid fire as though the demon in the wall was in too much of a hurry to fill me in on the backstory, like why he was in search of answers to these three random questions. What I was getting off this thing that appeared in the wall wasn't so much evil vibes as it was royally pissed off vibes mixed with a little bit afraid vibes, like someone had assigned it a task that really, really annoyed it, and it was not happy about having to reveal itself to pass along this message. But that wasn't the weirdest part. The weirdest part was, I'd seen it before. In that first dream I'd had of Wallace and the demon in the bed. (laughs) Why is your demon so agitated? Marina said not the least bit surprised that I'd come knocking. Wallace and Simone had managed to talk Betty and Emery into letting the Abuela Express stay in the driveway for a few days. Their cover story was they needed to wait for the new fuel gauge they ordered for the bus. I was relieved they were still here. They were the only ones who could possibly help me wrap my head around what just happened. It really does sound like what you encountered was your classic interdimensional drama queen, Marina said. I sat quietly with the two of them sipping a nice, calming, mint CBD tea while I filled them in on the weird message the demon in the wall seemed to be conveying to me. Okay, before we go any further, Marina said, that thing wasn't a demon. I'm not sure what it was, but I sure as hell know it isn't a demon. The reason is simple. Demons don't exist. At least, not in the way Hollywood and organized religion have programmed us to believe. The only demons walking this earth are two-legged. Did I really need to remind her that she'd said her mom's whole thing is about spotting demons? Of course I didn't. It was Marina, Marina of the Shining. As if on cue, 
She explained it's only out of expedience that they use the term demon. The truth is far more complex, and ours are a simple people. If it isn't on one end of the polarization express or the other, they just pretend it doesn't exist. Think of them as free-floating parasites, only formless, she said. Like bots? She just nodded and continued. They're energetic beings, beings made of energy resonating at the lowest vibrational frequency. As far as the paladin women know, their job is to collect the dark energy produced by the negative actions they inspire in people. They have no ability to actually physically harm anyone. Their power lies in their ability to influence a person into harming himself and others, all the while thinking their despicable acts are their own idea, the result of free will. As hard as it is for many to accept, there really is no such thing as free will, only self-awareness. When we truly know our motivations, we make choices that strengthen the human collective rather than draining it of its strength. She went on to say that just like my drama queen friend in the wall, they communicate telepathically. Here's the thing about telepathy, or clairvoyant communication, or clairaudience, or whatever you want to call it. It isn't hearing a voice in your head that's somehow speaking your language. That's how Hollywood shows it, because that's the only way they could figure out how to tell that story. How else are you going to know what the characters are saying without a device like a babblefish in their ear translating it? How are they going to show two characters communicating in a way that's totally foreign to your audience if mouths aren't moving and sound isn't being picked up by the boom mic? The truth is, Telepathy doesn't involve any spoken language at all. That's not how information is conveyed by entities like that drama queen in the wall. It's conveyed by intention. They intend for me to have this knowledge. Therefore, I have it. My first thought was about the risks involved in circulating the idea that a person can simply know something without having disciplined themselves enough to study it thoroughly. You'd run the risk of ending up with a chunk of the population joining a cult, thinking they've got master's degrees in theory, when in reality all they've mastered is pretzel logic. Speaking of QAnon, Marina said, the only thing preventing a person from accessing the knowledge that's been conveyed to them is ego. Well, that and the interference of those who have synthesized the technology for telepathic communication. Which leads us straight to Havana. She was doing it again. Almost the exact same communication process as she was explaining, only in reverse. It's like she's got this knack for plucking thoughts right out of my head and then using them to connect dots like the weird series of events I had just experienced in my room. Bingo, she said. 
The synchronicity of the events is key. Something or someone went out of their way to make sure you focused on Havana. And then this entity shows up. Mom always says anyone who'd believe in coincidence just isn't paying attention. Tell me what it said again. The first thought was, is it live or is it Memorex, I said, which Abuela Paladin recognized as an advertising slogan for cassette recording tapes back in the 80s. That's a randomly specific reference, she said. Bookmark that one. The next was, is it organic or man-made? Marina was pretty sure it wasn't about organic versus conventional farming, but wasn't certain until I repeated the last message. Is free will our own or someone else's? Her response to that last one was to point out we'd already covered the subject of free will when she illustrated how energy parasites induce negative behaviors in their hosts. You do know those negative behaviors would be entirely avoidable if the human race had learned how to manage its own darker impulses instead of putting it in the hands of the middleman, right? She added. But she said the most telling thing to her was the fact that I recognized the entity from the dream about the demon in the bed. Didn't you say that was when you first heard about dark energy, she said? It sounds like the message you received was pointing out the difficulty in discerning what is real versus what's a data-driven reproduction, analog versus digital. What is organic thought originating in the individual versus What's data being downloaded directly into the cerebral cortex? Because it's impossible to separate out free will from programmed behavior when certain entities may or may not be employing advanced technologies on us. I thought of my trip down the yellow brick road with my tentacled guide. The muse used nothing but her natural powers to inspire works of art, music, and literature. Was my guide pointing out that the men I was then shown sitting at computer screens using technology to do something similar? Like maybe making sure Ayn Rand took amphetamines and wrote books about the virtues of unfettered capitalism? Is that why the quote from some science fiction writer about advanced technology being indistinguishable from magic kept playing on a loop in my head when I was being gang-stalked? There was no question that the events in Havana reported in The New Yorker were not organic. Something involving energy had been used on diplomats at the U.S. Embassy there. It affected their minds. And someone brought it to my attention, because it wants us to begin asking important questions. Questions like, what's real and what's man-made? One thing, I said to Marina and her mom as I stepped off the bus. How would someone on the psychic spectrum know what's real and what's Memorex? 
From the way the paladin women lit up, I could tell that I'd hit the nail on the head. Seems we've come full circle, Marina said. We're back to our wireless connection. How often have you found yourself in a dialogue with anyone willing to ask that question? Proving once again, it's not the answers that matter so much as it's the questions. The sound of the old weathered rocking chair on the porch startled me at first, but then I spotted the red Chuck Taylors sticking out from under the quilt Simone was wrapped in. I guess I'm not the only one having the fantods tonight. She said she'd come down here hoping to run this new development by Marina, but when she saw I was in session with the paladins on the bus, she decided to wait it out alone with her thoughts rather than knock on the door. Her voice became somewhat cloudy as she described waking from a dream in which she was observing what sounds exactly like what I went through earlier with the demon in the wall, only it was a completely different house, and the person she was seeing was a stranger. When it got to the point that the stranger turned his face toward her and said, are you seeing this? Is it live, or is it Memorex? She woke up. Or at least she thought she was awake. Ella Fitzgerald's voice filled the room with her trademark scat. Took her a minute to figure out she really was awake, and the old Memorex ad Fitzgerald did in the 80s was streaming over her cell phone. Honestly, until I looked at the screen and saw who and what it was, I didn't get the reference, she said. It was way before my time, and I'm still not sure I get it in context. But then it got weirder. As she sat staring at her screen, the First Lady of Scat was interrupted by an email notification. It's the email account I use for my YouTube channel, she said. It was from a boy about her age. He and his foster siblings live in an old Victorian house up near Mount Rainier. It's haunted, big time, according to him. Ever hear of gaslighting, she said? Had I ever heard of gaslighting? Ha! She said that is what the incidents he's describing sound like. That would make two things the young psychic finder has in common with the random emailer so far, if what Marina was telling me about Simone's trip down the information superhighway on the holonet is to be believed. And it is. Of that, I am certain. She said there are things he's described that happens when he's not anywhere near the house, things that can't possibly be related to it, like weird coincidences, and the feeling that he's being watched by people who seem to be going out of their way to make sure he knows they're watching him. 
street theater, goosebumps, organic or man-made? Are the weird coincidences he's telling her about nothing but synthetic synchronicity staged by someone to draw him in? Or is someone or something alerting them from a distance to the existence of our wireless connection? There was something else. It's why Simone wanted to talk to Marina. He said they all started seeing this strange sparkly dust in the house. And at about the same time, he said his foster brother Jared began having similar experiences with the weird coincidences and the feeling that people were watching him. He started having a series of truly intense dreams. They were like what you'd see in a video about boot camp. Someone angrily shouting at him that he's worthless while shoving a gun in his hands, dressing in fatigues with war paint on his face. Jared became absolutely convinced someone was beaming messages into his brain when he was asleep. It didn't take much time before he spiraled into a dark place and spun out of control. The email said it all happened so fast. Before they knew it, Jared went to a strip mall outside Tacoma and committed a mass shooting. No one could figure out how he got his hands on the semi-automatic weapon he used. He had never once mentioned an interest in guns and expressed a moral opposition to hunting, saying murder is murder, whether the creature you're killing has four legs or two. The news said Jared's target was the congresswoman from that district, so focused all their attention on her, even though there were more than a dozen other victims. But when they went through his room, they found all these notes and information he'd printed from the Internet about one of the other shooting victims, including their schedule. It was a district court judge. It's weird the news really didn't report on that particular victim much, considering he had just agreed to adjudicate a case against a major pharmaceutical company just weeks before Jared killed him. Simone and I were too lost in conversation to notice Wallace had come around from the back of the house and stood just beyond the porch, listening. We both jumped when she cleared her throat. Strike that. All three of us jumped. Marina had sensed she was needed as a translator and invited herself to join us, parking on the bottom porch step, where she sat quietly, taking it all in. It wasn't the dream about the demon in the wall that woke Wallace. She'd long since forced herself to block that one. It was a dream about a house just like this one, only it was nestled under a mountain. What woke me was this beeping, she said. My computer speakers were making this random series of beeps out of nowhere, 
and nothing I did would get it to stop. The computer was off. I tried muting the speakers. It didn't help. Tried booting up the computer and found nothing in its settings that would explain. Just this damned beeping. Finally, she got the idea of recording it and running it through a translation site. It was Morse code. What did it say? Simone asked. Beware. Smart dust. Psychic attack. Well, Miss Babblefish, cryptic much? Get anywhere finding a translation for that one? The sound of my voice over the ringing in my ears added a surrealistic spin on the night. The four of us clustered together on the porch, with no light but the sliver of moon peeking through the clouds, talking quietly as if what we were discussing was not as urgent as we all knew it was. I could tell Marina had something up her sleeve, especially when she asked Simone if that guy who emailed her said whether or not the kids in his foster home are on the psychic spectrum. Simone nodded. Yes, they all were. It was the reason he emailed the psychic finder. Marina didn't need to explain that early childhood trauma and displacement tends to open a child's mind to a far more complex world than that of children raised in stability. It may very well be the reason they tend to be looked upon with such suspicion. They're often marginalized and chronically disbelieved. The wider community may not be consciously aware of why it's projecting all that onto the abandoned child, but unconsciously they've intuited that the child has seen things that make her older and wiser than even the oldest and wisest among them. It's hard to live a life of hypocrisy around someone who sees right through it. It's impossible to do that around someone who's also on the psychic spectrum, which pretty much explains why burning witches has historically been such a popular pastime. There's no better way to exact revenge on someone who's seen through your bullshit than burning them alive. Is someone getting their kicks out of targeting psychic foster children? Because that's what it looks like Simone's new pen pal is alerting us to. What better way to eliminate an undesirable than to use an already marginalized kid that nobody believes no, anyway. We talked until sunrise about what we knew and what we didn't know, and how to find out the things we needed to, like what the link was between the House of Fantods and the foster home under Mount Rainier. I waited for one of them to bring up the part the tentacle creature plays in all this, but I think they were waiting for me to bring it up. So I did. I said that for as complex as the whole thing had been, the part the creature plays is relatively straightforward. I think there's something that both sides want for themselves, I said. Power? Control? Sex and drugs and rock and roll? Who knows? But it would appear they're using psychic foster kids to get it. 
And for some reason, that creature has gone out of its way to give me cryptic clues to help me figure it out. I say we do just that. Let's figure it out. And if my hunch is correct, we've got more than one ally watching our back. We might need to get past appearances and their particular method of communication.